This is Pave It Black. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Pave It Black, the official podcast of the National Asphalt Pavement Association. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brad Williams. And it's National Work Zone Awareness Week. Last year, we highlighted the Watch For Us campaign as a part of our podcast. But this year, we don't want to deviate really from our theme of technology and innovation. In 2019, there were 762 fatal work zone crashes where 842 people died. 135 of those were our workers. Now, every year, NAPA gives awards to some of our contractors who come up with innovative ideas to make our workspaces, whether they're at the plant or the roadway, safer. However, we're also starting to see innovation beyond just our contractors, which may reduce risk while we are in our work zones. Yeah, today we actually get to talk about pod, or talk about robots on the podcast. And today, when I think about robots, a lot of where they're at in the transportation industry. I really picture factories building cars and how most of that work is being done by robots with human supervision. So I think today the question for me is really, what could the future hold for our industry, that being road construction or the asphalt industry, if we harnessed or used robots more effectively or even at all in some of the um, operations that we're working on? So to help us with this, with this topic today, we brought in Todd Hendricks, Jr. from Pioneer Industrial Systems. Welcome to the podcast, Todd. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, Pioneer Industrial Systems as a whole? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Todd Hendricks, Jr. I'm the president at Pioneer Industrial Systems, and we specialize in robotics autom in automation, um, specifically in manufacturing but uh, we're definitely doing some exciting stuff in, in this new road construction arena over the last year. So uh, we've been doing industrial robotics and automated machinery since the late 90s. Uh, my dad started the company in 98. Uh, I came on board full-time in 2010. Uh, we focused pretty deeply in the tire industry. So we've done a lot with all the global tire manufacturers. And we've been recently really diving into plastics as well. Uh, we do a lot with capabilities from painting to flaming, trimming, material handling, vision um, are some of our areas of expertise. So uh, all that kind of came together in this new package and product that we're, we're going to talk about next. And it's, it's been an exciting ride. So to start, maybe you could help us with a broader question of why. And what I mean is, what are some of the drivers that get industries to move into utilizing robots more often? Absolutely. So there's several reasons why companies would look to robotics. And typically what we find is we are helping companies be more competitive. We're solving a number of different problems that they have, whether it's quality and consistency because the robots are repetitive motion up to you know, fractions of millimeters in consistent paths and products and, and expectation there, or whether it's hiring. You know, that's been our biggest concern and, and feedback lately is I just can't hire people. I can't get product out the door. And, and that's a big concern for a lot of companies, especially now after you're coming on the other end of COVID and it's still an issue and we've got worker safety and six feet distancing. I mean, that's a big deal in some of these factories where that's maybe not achievable. So we're seeing a lot of rise in collaborative robots in that space. 
Um, and what we'll typically find is we'll replace old machinery. Um, so very rarely do we completely displace workers. Um, but in the instance where our machine does take place of the work a person was doing, we're either doing it in one of three areas. It's either work that was dangerous. So they're lifting and moving heavy objects or in a dangerous environment. It's you know dirty, it's in a dangerous environment there. It's in a foundry or an area that's you know got some hazards to it or it's disengaging, right? It's just taking this part, putting it in this place over and over and over. And I cannot find anyone to continually do this day in and day out. So those three dirty, disengaging and dangerous jobs are typically the ones that we're finding being automated. Um, but the silver lining is because companies cannot hire nearly enough workers, what we're finding is any automation that happens in the plant those people that, you know, maybe we automate this task, those people are just moved somewhere else in the plant because I've got 20 open seats and I can't fill them. So, well, I'll, I'll automate these five, move those people somewhere else and everyone wins. Um, you know, we get more output as a company, we're more competitive. So those are some of the reasons. Another big one though, at the end of the day is safety. I mean, obviously we talked about that a little bit, but anytime that we can get a person out of a dangerous environment doing a repetitive task, especially when there's heavy forces involved, is always a big reason for driving to robotics. And then finally cost. Um, we're in a world where cost drives a lot, especially in manufacturing. Um, typically our robotic systems have a return on, invest, return on investment of about a year. Um, some are a little more, some can get down to, to months. Um, you know, these machines, they, they come in, they do their job, they always show up for work, they're never late. Um, so, you know, when you look at that cost payback, especially over, you know, multiple shifts or long periods of time, it's, it's definitely beneficial. And so that makes everyone more competitive. It, again, when you're moving workers, you've got a very competitive worker in that space, um, you know, we'll also run some numbers. And if, if you look at it on an average wage rate, it, it can get pretty low. So before we get too far into talking about robotics and road construction, kind of as, as a big picture, what are some of the big innovations you've seen in robotics over the, the past 10 years? I mean, I, I have a 10 year old son. So I think about robotics in terms of like toys. And I've seen the, the development of everything now where you've got app controlled robots from your phone or iPad to like board games and stuff that involve robotics. What have you seen on kind of the manufacturing side of that? We've seen a big rise in the collaborative robot. And, and what a collaborative robot is, is it's a robot that allows you to work alongside it. It has safety features in, in place that allows it to, you know, move safely, slowly, carefully and sense that, oh, I just bumped something, I'm going to stop right away. Now there's some limitations with that, right? I mean, especially as you get carrying and moving heavier objects, you can only move something heavy so fast without hurting someone. So the speeds are definitely impacted there. Um, we've also seen advents in safety to where you can do fenceless systems. So maybe not necessarily operating right next to a robot, but you can walk up to a system without a fence, take product out that's finished, put raw material in that cell, and the system automatically recognizes where you're at. It'll slow down as you approach. It'll stop when you get into that red zone. And then as you back away, it just continues to do what it was doing. There's no longer the complicated, you know, start, stop type sequence. So the collaborative robots definitely been a big rise. Um, the safety advent with the scanners and, and the fenceless technology has been really big. And then we're also seeing a lot in terms of machine intelligence. And, and what we mean by that is twofold. One is vision. And that just allows the robot to see, 
Um, you know, it can see a part in space and react to it. It can track a part coming down a conveyor and pick it up as it goes without having to stop and be in the same place every single time. Uh, it can reorient. So instead of a product being perfectly positioned, if it's skewed a little bit, the robot can see that and adjust. It can even get into inspection. If the product's supposed to look a certain way and it's missing a hole, I can throw a flag and put it somewhere to be inspected by a person or another action taken. So the intelligence from the vision side is really taking leaps and bounds. And then the industrial revolution of things, the internet of things, 4.0, whatever you wanna call that, has taken a lot in the last probably five years where we're putting sensors throughout the machine that's measuring output and temperature and frequency and vibration and all kinds of crazy things, compiling it together and giving you feedback on that machine. So everything from just counting out how many units that machine's produced at a very high level, it can be reported and dashboarded and everything like that. But also, you know, understanding, hey, this drive is operating a little bit out of vibration. The temperatures are beyond where they, they should be. We're going to throw up a warning sign so that the next planned maintenance event that you guys have at the plant, we're going to recommend that you change it or have another one sitting by the machine so that if something were to happen, you can respond quickly rather than it being a surprise. So I would say those are the areas that we've definitely seen a big, big change in. Um, and then the last one, you, you mentioned it, right? The, the involvement of kids, the Lego robots and, and the STEM programs and, and that over the past decade has really exploded. And it's frankly in part of manufacturing kind of pushing and saying, hey, we need some really great kids to come in and you know become these next generation of workers that are gonna help us work on these robots and, and keep these things up and running. And it's really cool to see. So I was hoping maybe you could share a little bit about how Pioneer Industrial Systems moved from the more traditional robotic space into road construction and maybe talk about why it was seen as an opportunity and how the robotic maintenance vehicle um, really provides um, some solutions for the industry. Our company is very intentional when it comes on the projects that we do and the customers that we work on. And, and you know, we're very focused. We're, we're taking projects that we are experienced and know and are confident in. So when this came up, it was, it was kind of a, a shock to everyone. And so I'll, I'll kind of just tell the story. My dad and I commute to work together. And the one day we were driving down the, the turnpike, uh, Route 8090 here in, in Northwest Ohio, and we passed a crack ceiling crew. And there were 12 workers with seven vehicles with one crack ceiling unit. So one guy had the wand in his hand and there were 11 other supporting people and seven other vehicles to support that operation. I mean, they're doing safety and those other things not to discount that type of work. But when you look at the output, right? Ceiling cracks, only one person was doing that work. And so we're looking at, wow, that's, that's inefficient. And then we got to talking, but I mean, I get why you need all the safety guys and the flaggers and the, the guy with the horn. I mean, there is no way I would want to be on the side of a road with the amount of distracted driving that goes on. So we got talking about this and then we're like, man, you know, there's a lot of money in this, this industry too, right? We looked at the budgets for transportation in just Ohio and we're just blown away by the, the commas that were involved there, right? So it was just kind of this rough conversation that we had driving out to work, um, no big deal. And, and then my dad comes in the office later that afternoon. He goes, I've been thinking about this. And he shows me this sketch. And I'm like, what in the world is this? And he said, well, I think everything, you know, everything that we're doing on this machine and that we have on our floor right now could, could do this. We have vision, we have lasers, we're measuring things, we're applying a sealant, you know, on a very precise location and a precise amount. 
we're doing it with a robot. You know, why, why couldn't we do this? And I said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Like, we've got enough to worry about. Get out of here. And so we've kind of shelved it. And then a few months later, dad had a meeting at church. So this would be February of 2020. So the original idea happened back in October of 2019. And then late February 2020, um, dad had a meeting at church, met an ODOT engineer. The engineers were talking about what engineering they did. And, you know, as they got talking, the ODOT engineer said, well, we're always looking for innovation and stuff. You know, do you think you could help us in that way? And dad said, well, it's funny you mentioned that. I got this idea, spitballed it to this ODOT engineer. And he's like, oh, that's great. I'm going to take it up the chain. And so dad, well, maybe we should look at a patent. <laughs> so we called our patent attorney, dove into this. And, you know, March 2020 was a, a fun time for everyone. And COVID hit and we got forced to work from home. And so we kept on our engineers and our sales team. And we really dedicated almost the entire work from home space to develop this idea. So we had some resources we wanted to keep, you know, we took advantage of the government programs to help us do that. And, and we just had our employees work remotely on designing this robotic maintenance vehicle. And so we went through the design um, as soon as we could get back in the office and in, in the shop, we bought a used truck. We had a new robot come in got a generator and we, we build a demo prototype and we've been refining it ever since. And, and so that's kind of where it started and, and how it took root. We can definitely tell you put a lot of time and effort and expertise into really getting the RMV kind of up in the ground. And a lot of that really seems to be focusing on the, the maintenance side of things. Like you were talking about crack sealing, but beyond just maintenance, are, are there opportunities that really may exist on the actual more construction side of things to like leverage robotics and make it either safer or more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. So as we got through this process, one of the early on phases was, okay, you know, robots are very flexible. They can do a lot of things. What else could it do? You know, one of our tenants of what we like to build at Pioneer is modular design. So we, we make it easy to install. We make it easy to use in, in other projects after we design something the first time. So we wanted to carry that spirit into this new product. And so what we did early on was we identified some various modules. So we kind of looked at the ceiling unit as a black box and said, all right, if we take that ceiling unit off the back of the truck, what else can we put on? And we've identified over 18 different things that this truck with an arm could possibly do. We got to talk to a lot of really great people that helped us along the way, whether it was ODOT engineers and, and staff members there, whether it was local contractors in the area, um, you know, people throughout the, those types of environments. So uh, we've got a handful of things that we've identified, but we're really focused on two of them. Um, one of them is the crack ceiling. That was the heart of the idea. There's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, so our goal is to get that product to market. Um, I mean, we're doing road testing as we speak. We've got the truck out. It's not sealing anything yet. It's just tracing the cracks, but we're, we're making progress every day. Um, beyond that, the other one that we really focused on was cone setting and picking. Um, so instead of a person hanging out in traffic, and driving backwards through work zones, this truck would drive through, find the cone, pick it up. If it's fallen down, it could still grab it. Um, whether it's a cone, a safety grabber cone, or a barrel, uh, we've kind of got an arm tool that can handle all of that. So those were the two big ones that we hung on to. But then, you know, as we talked to other people, like I said, there's all kinds of things from the rave payment markers, you know, popping old ones off, putting new ones on, to putting posts and signs in the ground. 
to you know possibly filling potholes with a, a mixed material taking core samples grinding rumble strip i mean we've got a, a whole big list of them but our main focus now is okay let's get a product to market let's get that out there let's start to build and produce and make these and get that out there and then let's look at at some of these other ones because again what we find is you know if there's a truck doing it today it, it probably isn't as big of a, a benefit than if there's a person on the road and that's what we're really trying to get after and when we looked at those stats like you said right the number of employees that are workers in work zones that show up to work every day and you know there's a chance that they're not going to get home to their family and that's something that we take very serious and so safety's always been top of mind so one of the third products it's not necessarily related to the truck but another thing that we're working on that's common in industry is autonomous vehicles and so you'll have these little AGV they like to call them autonomous guided vehicle driving around factories, picking up products. I mean, anything from pallets to individual stuff. And, and they're flying all over these distribution centers and factories alike. And so our next patent that we filed um, just this week was on a modular traffic rover. So taking that AGV concept, putting traffic signage, lights, that whole nine yards to remove those front-end operators because they are in the most dangerous position. I mean, they're the ones stopping distracted drivers from going through a work zone. It's a critical task. And so we're looking at the idea of, can we automate that? Because those two kind of play in together, because if we can get our robotic maintenance vehicle to work and be mobile, well, then the work zone's mobile. Instead of coning off two miles of stretch, I really only need to cone off the small area I'm working in. The challenge comes, well, how do you sign off that, right? How do you get the signage and the workers and the, the flaggers and all those types of things to travel with you instead of having these guys lug these signs down the road all day? So those are the, the things that we're looking at um, and, and that we're developing. And again, it's all being driven by worker safety, um, you know, talking to the local garages and, and contractors, workforce is, is still an issue for them. It's a tough job. I mean, these guys work day in and day out and they're in the elements. So it's very hard for them to attract people. And so that's some of the attractiveness tier two is it's, it's making it safe. It's putting them in a controlled environment at the truck cab versus out on the road. And it, it's trying to, to improve some efficiency along the way. Well, thanks. Todd. That was really informative and helpful. And it's an interesting topic. It's technology. So it's exciting to hear that there's innovations coming and that um, we have outside expertise that's getting interested and in finding ways to really apply some of these robotic technologies into the transportation industry. So I really appreciate you providing that perspective and, and sharing some of the process and things that you guys are working on. Definitely. It's interesting. I'm excited to see kind of where y'all go. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's been a ride. That's for sure. So it's, it's been fun, but again, our, our heart of our business is just trying to help people and, this definitely seems like an area where we can apply some of what we know. So hopefully we can be successful at it. One of the things that struck me was like, this wasn't something that they were heavily involved in, heavily invested in. It was, they, they saw some, an inefficiency and they saw something where they realized, you know, this may not be the, the safest operation. Let me find a solution to it. There, there are probably a lot of people outside of the industry that look at some of the things that we do and could find these solutions. But what I really liked was 
they partnered with the DOT and they partnered with the industry to help understand it and learn the why, why do you do this so they could find an implementable solution. I think that that's where really those partnerships and those advancements may be able to make. It's not, hey, I just think you could do this better. Well, it's, I wanna understand why you do it so that I can really make things better for you. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's the exciting piece of the story here really is just an outsider putting their eyes on an operation, seeing a possible opportunity, but not necessarily just diving in and coming up with what they think would be better. It's partnering with the industry, partnering with those that are out there actually doing it to really understand it and really then develop something that's probably going to make some significant changes to, to how things are done. And I think, I think you really hit on how safety is one of those critical factors that really opens this opportunity up and makes it exciting is that we can take jobs that are maybe putting people at a little higher risk and move them into a lower risk situation and still do that job very effectively and maybe even more efficiently. So I think that's the exciting piece for me today. We just want to thank everyone again for being here with us today. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. We just want you to remember, as you're driving around America's highways, someone from our industry paved it black. Pave It Black is produced by Monica Dutcher of the National Asphalt Pavement Association with podcasting music credits to Colleek. You can find Pave It Black on most of your favorite platforms, including SoundCloud and iTunes. If you would like to suggest someone for us to interview, please email Richard Willis at rwillis at asphaltpavement.org. That's R-W-I-L-L-I-S at asphaltpavement.org. Until next time, keep paving it black.